This show is for the sales leader who knows they have a pivotal role in driving outstanding sales results. Getting hired or promoted to manage a sales team is a big accomplishment, but you know you have to work hard to become a great sales leader. You are listening to the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Here's your host, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders from around the world, Matt McDarvey. So I'm so pleased to have us joined by Brian Delman. Uh, just a quick background. I'll tell you a little bit about Brian's story and then bring him into the conversation. So Brian, you go way back into his early days. He started out in security system sales and went into the automotive business where he sold, led, and trained others. He eventually became a head of sales training, then moved into inside sales and team leadership. He's currently the director of business development focused on several different brands. We'll talk about that. And he also serves as the chapter president for the American Association of Inside Sales Professionals, as some of you may know, AAISP. So I'm so pleased to have him. Looking forward to hearing what we can learn from Brian about his experience as a leader. Welcome, Brian, to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, really appreciate it and excited to uh, talk about sales. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's just dive right in. Let me start with a question I tend to ask people to join the show, and it's about leading. What would you say is the most important lesson you've learned so far about leading a team? Wow. Um, I think the hard, I think the most important lesson and one of the hardest lessons to learn is that, is that you have to realize that not everybody is you. You know, when you first get into being a leader, you want to make as many people you as possible because you've seen success. So you try to push that same success on other people. And one thing that I learned at being a trainer is that everybody learns differently. Some people are auditory learners, kinesthetic learners. There's just all different types of the way that people consume information, but not just consume it, but then be able to reuse that information. And it's the same thing when you're leading people. So I, I learned very early on that it was easier to make people the best of who they are and and unlock yeah. the the strengths and and improve the weaknesses on that particular person because every individual is different from the next. Yeah, no, that's a great point. It, I can. It's funny as you say that. I know for sure, I probably said it almost verbatim, like your team, you're, you know, they're not you, not, right? We have to change the frame a bit, yeah, right? Yeah, we have to. But that's, I mean, that implies, or what I infer from that is like different, it's not only how they learn, but it's like different motivators, different backgrounds, different experiences. So tell me more about that. Like, how do you, how, knowing that they're not you, right? Which sounds kind of, it's kind of an obvious point, it right? Is. So obvious when we say these things back to ourselves. <laughs> but what you're suggesting is just sort of a mindset from a leader's perspective that I have to realize these people are different. So tell me more, like, how does it impact things like motivation and how you coach and develop? Just any, any more on that? Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a great extra step. So I, I think one thing to realize is that because everybody's different, everybody wants different things, everybody has this different future, this different image of what their life is going to be, what success means to them. I've had some reps where success to them is retiring early. I've had some reps where success for them is making sure that their family is stable, making sure that their their family is, is well off because that different walks of life. Some are just getting into the workforce. Some have families, some are becoming empty nesters and, and they're trying to figure out what their next move is. So everybody has different motivations because everybody's at a different spot. So I think the most important thing that you can do is figure out who the other person is on the other side of you and 
I try not to get too personal because there there is that separation of that's their personal life. They can share what they want to share. This is a business mm-hmm. relationship, and that's something that, yes, you want people to be vulnerable, but you also have to realize, like, you know, you are the business and they are the person. But I want to make sure I make a comfortable environment to where they want to open up. They want to share stories with with me. They want to grow. They want to teach me things as well within that. But the more that I can understand like what makes this particular person tick, where do they want to be? What do they want to get to? The easier it is to work backwards now and take steps to get to that path because it's it's easier knowing what that bigger framework is and then taking the steps to get there than it is not having that that future state, so to say. And it's the same yeah. same with buyers, right? You want to get them to that future state. It's the same thing as when you're talking to, to people because everybody's just a person at the end of the day. So. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Uh, we'll come back to that. Okay. I think that's a really important connection. But one other thing you said that I want to make sure people hear is that like you can ask and try to understand what matters to people and what they're trying to achieve, but you have to respect that there are certain boundaries. Like some people, if you asked me, I'm probably going to tell you about the things I'm trying to achieve for my family, but I'm going to keep it pretty tight and professional. Other people are going to be like, let me tell you my life story and and all the reasons why, you know, I want to make grandma proud. So it's, it it sounds like your, it's your orientation is I want to learn as much about them, what they're trying to achieve personally, what success looks like, but respect the fact that they define that in different ways. And it's my job to help them achieve it. However, they, however, exactly. And however they want to share it. I mean, I, I think if anybody, and if you talk to anybody that really truly knows me, like I genuinely just want people to be successful. I genuinely want them to get what they want in life. And not everybody has it as easy, you know, and, and it's my job sure. to, it's my job to take what they give me, dig a little deeper, respectfully, professionally, but I, they, anybody that I've ever supervised or managed knows that I want it for them just as bad as they want it, maybe even more sometimes. So, Yeah. You know, it's funny, you know, we've met only once in person. We've traded messages, you know, times over the years. We live, I think, 40 minutes apart, right? Yep. So what I wouldn't have known going into this conversation is what you just said, uh, that what you just said is true about you, which is that's a very, there's a very common theme that I hear from great leaders, great developers of people. And it's very similar to what you've just said, which is, look, I'm just here to help people achieve what success means to them. That's my orientation to the job. What I hear in that also is it's not necessarily, it's not really about me. It's really about them, right? It is, it is about them. It selfishly, it also motivates me, you know, I think that's a good motivator, but it motivates me to see that happen. Yeah. Understood. All right. So let's talk some more about leading people. Like, what do you love most about it? I can infer maybe part from something you've already said, but what do you love most about leading salespeople? I, I love the aha moments. I like watching that one moment in time where something makes sense, whether you were coaching a phone call and you're like, tell me about that phone call. How do you feel about it? Like, where do you see that? And, and you see the moments of all the previous coaching come back and they realize those things themselves. I love sharing in those wins, you know, because the aha moments are wins and I like watching them, sharing them. I like living in them in those moments, especially if I had direct impact on that person. Like that's what I was talking about before. I mean, there is no better feeling and just watching that moment of this person that you've been working with, that you've been really trying to get 
to be this successful person in their own way, but just having those those little moments. I, I just I love those little moments. I and I I hate missing them. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I, again, I can relate. Right, that's the thing that fuels me too. What else is there? Anything else aside from seeing those moments, the ahas, like you said? Anything else? It's like yeah, that's the other thing that really drives me here. I get adrenaline rushes out of the wins mm. and don't get me wrong i i'm a big fan of sharing the the losses too i think sometimes we just have to joke about them and and move on and i feel like sometimes that's the best way but even i get the the adrenaline rush of the win i just get i get very excited i'm, I'm very animated person in general so my team is constantly sharing their little wins and it's not it doesn't have to be a, sa a sale it doesn't have to be this big grand win it could be Somebody answered the phone today and we had a good conversation. Like, I'm excited about that. How many calls did you make? How many times did you get hung up on? How long was the call? What happened? Like, I need to know everything that happened in that moment because it's a great feeling. But I like to win as well. So I feel, I feel like everybody in the company is responsible for awareness and education. I mean, that yeah. lives and breathes the brand. And even when I'm out cold messaging or trying to build relationships, like I love those wins for myself as well. And I love sharing those wins. And I like getting my team just as excited about me winning as them winning. It, it really is for me, all, all success. And it's, yeah. it's somebody once told me a long time ago about the, the Bill Walsh approach, which is if, um, if you want to win football games, the first downs are the way to get there. Right. And, yeah. and every time we get a first down, I'm just loving how the team forms together. And I want to take that to a, to a step further because I don't just love sharing and living in those moments. What I love about the the leading people back, back, back to tying it back to your question is the fact that they want to share it even without me asking. So I don't have to yeah. say like, please share that with the group. They're just, the culture is just, just compiling on itself. They live and breathe that they get excited mm -hmm. that they're just doing things without even motion or or you know prodding them to do it they're just like oh i gotta share this with everybody and i and i love that right. about leading leading as well just watching that happen you know i would say i've been around a lot of sales organizations over the years and that what you just described doesn't happen automatically or naturally it tends to happen like with that environment where people share successes and they're excited for one another and it's sort of a team develop tends to happen when there's a leader or a group of leaders that are intentional about creating that sort of culture. Um, so it sounds like you're, not only do you enjoy that, but you're doing everything you can to sort of promote that in the environment. But you're doing this across multiple, I realize it's one organization, but multiple brands, seven, you said. I, so how does that all work? Like, how do, you, <laughs> how do you create that sort of a culture, that sort of environment when you've got teams that are focused literally on having different conversations with different kinds of people? So I look at leading teams and I look at leading initiatives kind of very similar. Hmm. You know, my team is just one centralized team, whereas, you know, my company, Stratacash Companies, my, my CEO has a lot of businesses underneath this, this umbrella. Not all the teams report to me, just, just my team really does. So it is a little bit easier for me just to, that, that centralized focus, but they do work with the different brands. And that means that they do work with different relationships, different sales reps from each of the brands. But I also work with a lot of the leadership from the different brands. And, you know, I'm very strategically thinking all the time. So I'm just, you know, my brain doesn't really 
well, obviously you never want your brain to stop, but, my, but that would be bad. Yeah, that would be bad. But my, my thoughts never stop. I'm, I'm working on like five, six thoughts at a time constantly, which is a, a gift and a curse sometimes, but sure. yeah. I like to motivate the other leaders when I come up with an idea that they haven't thought about before and they run with it. I had one group that was not really big on using LinkedIn and I was like, it's easy here's moments that you can do. Here's conversations that are happening that you're not a part of. Mm-hmm. And even though they're, you know, executives for that particular brand, it's still like leading that initiative of getting movement and getting them motivated and excited about doing something different and it working and then gaining some momentum. Yeah. So I think it's just about getting people excited about success and things that can happen outside of their normal thoughts. It's just you know, that, that yeah. goes into even leading my team. How can we think about this differently? How can we move the needle, um, et cetera? Yeah. I, hope that, I hope that answers yeah. the question. Yeah, I know. No, it does. It does. There's one thing I'll point out here for those listening too that, and Brian described his own profiles. Like there's so many, there's a lot of things going on in the brain at all at different times. And many of those thoughts are kind of at a strategic level, sort of macro looking across, in this case, multiple brands, multiple initiatives. For those listening, if that's you, and many people listening to this show are going to be wired in a, in a kind of a similar way, the recommendation is make sure you have moments to slow it down and think critically, right? To make sense of all of the stuff that's sort of going on in the brain and think critically about what are the things that we need to do to, you know, maybe make a better diagnosis or set a clear expectation for the team or whatever it is. Has that been your experience? You got to slow it down sometimes, right? It really is a challenge for me to, to slow it down, which is, it's just kind of funny because I read a, a post from a sales influencer that I, that I admire. Um, well, and the, the post was about where do you go come up with your best ideas? Uh, and for me, it's like the reverse. Where do I go where I can just try not to think for just a few moments? Yeah. And for me, that's walking my dog or uh-huh. or just going for like a drive or even before when I drop my daughter off at school in the morning, I just go for like a ride. I put music on because for me, sure. music will hit you at any emotion. So I think it's just those moments where I just have to clear kind of my thoughts and slow my pace down a little bit. And you know what? Sometimes that's when a more clear idea comes through. But I think my suggestion for anybody that is very geared like me is – you have to find those moments where you don't need to be pressured to think. Put your phone down, turn on music if uh-huh. that calms you, turn on brown noise or white noise or whatever kind of different things you want to listen to and just use those moments to not think, to try not yeah. to, to do that because you need that you need that time to yourself. For sure. Driving great sales results is hard. Doing it consistently is even harder. There are so many obstacles that can prevent you from becoming the most effective sales leader you can be. Find practical advice you can apply right away by picking up your copy of Matt's book, The Divine Comedy of Sales, at www.divinecomedyofsales.com. Well, implied in that, so you're a pro, you've been at this a while. So for people that are, well, this I think this applies probably universally, but the thing that we can infer from what you just said is you know yourself well enough to know that you need those moments. Like I know something I know about myself in terms of the creative stuff, the content creation, the the podcast, the books, the stuff that, you know, the things I'm creating. I can only do that in bursts, 
for me, it's 90 minutes, two hours, and I'm toast, <laughs> um, right? Yeah. Or if I'm on my feet for a whole day, because I'm sort of an, I kind of lean toward introversion. If I've got to interact with a group of people for an entire day, that night, the next day, I feel like I was shot at and hit. Yeah. So I can't take on really difficult work or new new tasks or things like immediately following that because I just not, I don't have the energy. For yeah. That. A lot of people are like that. Believe it or not, a lot more people are much more introverted than they think they are. And just like what you said, I, I've known a lot of great salespeople who you think are every salesperson is extroverts. It's wrong. Mm -hmm. A lot of great salespeople are introverts. They're just great at connecting with people, but that doesn't mean that they're not burning a ton of energy doing it. Yeah. You know, and I, I know a lot of salespeople that, I mean, can go to a party and after maybe an hour, they're just exhausted. You're not going to see them at another party yeah. for a while because it just uses so much energy on the things that you're not necessarily as good at. You burn a lot more energy. Right. So, right. yeah. Yeah. And a good thing to recognize in your people, right? So, and that goes back to the first thing not everybody's like you, right? Everybody's right. different. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's, we were talking about some of the things that you love about leading salespeople. What have you found? I want to ask you what you hate, but what have you found to be most challenging? about leading people and what have you done about it? So give me, give me, you know, what's, what's something that's been really tough. I've gone through a lot of challenges with leading people because I'm very self-taught. And when I say self-taught, that doesn't mean I haven't learned from people. That doesn't mean I haven't learned from you. And I haven't learned from sales people that I admire like Ed Porter. And, and it's really just when you say, when I say I'm, I'm very self, well, I have, have to take my own development into my own hands. It's because I've really been watching the do's and don'ts and that's how I learn. I would say the most challenging thing for me always is how do you get them to want it as much as you want it? Uh. You, you do pull on motivators, but people's motivators are very up and down. People's motivators change. Uh -huh. And sometimes people can be motivated and then sometimes they can be burnt out quickly. The challenging part is really recognizing those ups and downs because as a leader, it's not just people that you have, you have HR tasks, you have recruiting, you have you know, difficult yeah. conversations that you're not prepared for, where you have to address those situations. And, you know, you never really got training. And, and I think that's a big middle management and sometimes upper management issue is the lack of training that you get when you get promoted. Those tough conversations that you have to have, and you're balancing data, you're balancing executive conversations and forecasting, and you're balancing your, your team and you're balancing managers if you have them. And you're just it's, it's a big balancing act. And then you have to take all of these different things that are coming at you and you still have to motivate your people and you still have to meet them where they are. Some people might be coming in with a bad day. If they, they say to separate home and work life, don't bring your work home with you. That's also very difficult to not bring your home to work with you, you know? And sometimes those, sure. those are situations. So I think that the challenging part is you don't know it all when you want to. How I work on that, is I just take moments at a time. I always understand and where I have failed in the past is not taking people for people, looking them at them as a number, as, as a metric, as a, you need to get your calls in today, tomorrow. This is what we expect from you, especially when you're leading 80 people, which I've done. It's a lot easier when you're leading a few people, but when you're leading 80 people and everybody's different and everybody's going through different things and they might've had a horrible weekend or whatever, you know, you just have to really take those moments and just move past them with that particular person and just understand there's a human factor to it. Mm. Don't lose the human factor. 
that's what helps me yeah. compensate is really just looking at them as actual people and then the data as well, but not just looking at them as, as data points. So that's kind of, sure. that's, that's how I do it. And I've learned that just from watching and reading and, you know, learning from the people that did not have my back as an executive team to when I first started. And I, I just watched what that, what happened there. And I said, I didn't want to do that. And I, you know, you learn from every situation, whether good or bad. So sure. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Brian, we've got another minute or two. And I like to ask one big open question at the end of a conversation. And this is a, by the way, a tactic I've applied in sales calls over many years. That's such a brilliant question. You're going to chuckle when I ask it. What else? What else? What else should we know? What else should people know about leading or your perspective that we haven't talked about yet? The biggest thing I think that changed me as a leader is understanding employee engagement. I think that doesn't get talked about enough. I don't think a lot of leaders know what it is. I don't think a lot of executive teams know what employee engagement is. Uh. It is not employee satisfaction. You can go to work and be happy. That does not mean you're engaged. That does not mean you're going above and beyond your role because you are engaged with that employer. You are engaged with that leader. My recommendation and my advice to any leader listening, study employee engagement, pick up books about it, check out Don Rehm, R-H-E-E-M. Learn about employee engagement because if you take the wrong path, you're going to turn a completely engaged employee to a disengaged employee and you lose value. And every person has to bring value to the team. (laughs) And I think that employee engagement is not talked about enough and there's big impacts there. How do you measure engagement? Other than looking at a survey response or like how do you real world measure engagement? I I look for who's taking their role to the next level. I look for reps that are like, you know, I put these three emails together without even asking them. Like, I, I, I wanted to make a change. I wanted to test something out. Do you mind if I A-B test up? Go for it. Love yeah. it. Put it together. Go for it. Hey, I thought of a new campaign or I thought of a new strategy. I wanted to test it out. Go for it. Hey, I thought of new content. Yeah. I created this. I thought about putting posting this on LinkedIn. Go for it. I'm a supporter. A-B test it. Give, it. give it a shot. I thought about maybe changing my script. I want to test it out. Go for it. Now, I always, what are you trying to gain out of it? what didn't work, what did work, sure. what yeah. don't you like about the, the previous one, where are you falling short, et cetera. I mean, I ask all those great questions, but when they bring new concepts and new ideas or they create new content or they create an Excel spreadsheet with equations that we've not had before and they're excited about right. it, like that's employee engagement. Yeah, yeah. And follow through is a big part of that too, isn't it? Yeah, that's absolutely. It's one thing to have the idea, it's another to actually execute and follow through and come back and be able to report in progress. It goes back to your main point. I like seeing other people successful. So for me, it's so easy to go back and be like, how did it work out? What are you feeling? Let's talk about it. Do you want to tweak anything? Don't give up on the idea because like, I'm just as excited about it for them as they are for themselves. Yeah, that's great. So Brian, in a moment or two, I'm going to summarize. You've said a bunch of things that I want to play back for the people listening to the show and encourage them to think about like, okay, so Brian says, for example, we really have to tune in and understand employee engagement, but we've just gone to kind of another level of detail. What does that mean? What does it sound like? And what's your mindset with regard to your employees, their level of engagement, and how do you encourage it? And how do you kind of reinforce that that engagement is important? So that's just one of several gems here I think we're going to pull out of today's conversation. So before I go there, 
I just want to say thank you. I know you're a busy guy. You've given us 25 minutes of or so of wisdom. So thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I really, uh, I love doing these conversations and talking about sales and leadership. So I appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot. I want to thank Brian Delman again for joining us. He dropped a lot of wisdom and knowledge on us from his experience leading and training teams. And I just want to pull a few of the key ideas from what he shared with us and challenge you to think about how this applies to your world, to your role as a leader and developer of people. So in no particular order, he said a bunch of things. One of the things that he said he really loves about leading sales teams is he loves the aha moments, seeing those moments where people put it all together, make a connection they hadn't made before. Having lived through that myself, had many aha moments myself as a learner, but also been present when other people are learning and had those moments. I totally know what he means, and those are extremely motivating and enjoyable moments. But there's something he said early on, I think one of the very first points he made that he's learned about leading is, he said, not everybody is me. What did he mean by that? Well, people don't think the way you do as a leader. They don't come from the same place. They certainly don't have the same vision of success personally for themselves, for their families. And Brian has learned, don't make assumptions that people are thinking about the work or the value of the work or how the work is to be done. Don't assume they're looking at it through the same lens you are. Not everybody is you. I think that also means you have to remember that the people on your team may not be as motivated as you are to achieve. Does that make them bad people? Does that make them the sort of people that you don't want in your organization? I would suggest, no, that's, that wouldn't be fair. Why? They're not you. So one of the lessons I know that I've learned personally is there are so many different types of people who can be effective sellers and great teams tend to comprise really diverse groups of people who come from different places, think, speak, and act differently. And the more we can embrace the fact that we need people who are different from us to build a successful team, the more likely we are to be successful. So I think that's a great lesson from Brian. Another point that Brian made, and it's still under the sort of umbrella of not everybody is you, he was talking about how people learn. One of the things he said was, look, I'm, I'm self-taught. I was motivated to learn and I'm self-taught. And not everybody is self-taught or no, not everyone is, is as motivated to learn as I was and as I have been over the years. So really understanding how they learn and what types of learning motivate them to continue learning, going deep and really pushing themselves to learn and practice some more is key. Remember, they aren't you. Brian made another really interesting point. I thought he was talking about understanding the motivators and what his people are trying to achieve, but he also kind of connected that or drew a parallel between that and what it's like to talk with customers, talk with buyers. And he said, my job is to take what they give me. He was talking about people on his team. My job is to take what they give me, dig deeper, understand what they want to achieve. And that was where he connected a little bit later on in the conversation. He connected that up with what it's like to talk with a buyer. Same thing, same conversation, right? When we're talking with a buyer, we're asking them questions to try to understand their situation. They answer how they're going to answer. We take what they give us, but we have to dig deeper. 
And so that's a principle that Brian is saying. We have to apply to our relationships with the people on our teams. We have to look at them like we look at buyers. We really do have to understand what they're trying to achieve, maybe what's getting in the way, and go with them on that journey of understanding, well, what is it that you need to work on in order to get to that point where you know you've you've achieved success? So the conversation with Brian, I felt today was really sort of grounded and practical. He's been doing this a while, right? This is a guy that knows his stuff and knows how to apply his significant energy to the job and does so in a really constructive, positive, and effective way. So the challenge for you is, even if you're not somebody who's quite so energetic and and doesn't bring as much enthusiasm to the role, right? Brian sets the bar pretty high in those areas, you can still learn from some of the things he said. The challenge to you is, what is it specifically? Is it realizing that not everybody learns the way you do, that people define success differently, that you really have to go deep and understand how people think, what they're trying to achieve, how they learn, on and on. Those are the takeaways that I would be thinking about. How can I apply some of Brian's ideas tomorrow? So while you're thinking about that, I will be preparing another great episode. Coming next week, we'll have another interview. I'm excited about our next guest, and I want to invite you to join us for the next episode. Until then, this is Matt McDarby, author and host of The Divine Comedy of Sales. Thank you so much for joining. We'll see you soon.